Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. Balotelli on the turn. Quality. Kalufa Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along. Welcome to Le Bourge, the Ligue 1 podcast. Coming up this week, we discuss the end of season awards ceremony as Mbappe goes out with a bang. Neymar goes out with Rihanna and Adil Rami just goes out. Lyon have sealed their Champions League qualification and they've also confirmed the start of a revolution. We'll discuss that as well as Monaco's important result. They are all but safe from relegation now. Joining me in the pod this week, we have uh, Robbie, Hob- Robbie Thompson, sorry, who again has welcomed us into his home. Hello, Matt. Welcome, everyone, to my home. Thank you, Robbie. We have uh, League and Podcast stalwart David Crossan. Good morning, Matt. And uh, Armel Tangi is also here. He makes fleeting appearances, but always very valuable ones. Morning, Matt. Morning, everyone. Armel oh, is um, looking a little bit worse for wears. He was one of the few lucky people invited to the end-of-season awards ceremony last night. Armel, it was, um, it was a... Good night, was it? All in all? All in all, yeah. Nice to see the sparkling faces of French football. Armel Tangi was there and a lot of uh, French football mm. stars like Pamela Anderson were there as well. Yep. Just a rapper didn't turn I saw up, you, so uh, someone had to fill in for him. But I saw you wearing a very nice bow tie. Did, uh, did, that wasn't did you... me, I had a tie on. Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> no, you had a tie, did you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, that was Bill L. Our colleague, he had, a, he had a bow tie. But did you catch Pamela Anderson's eye? No, uh, I, was, I was behind her, so, you know, that's my excuse. Well, we're going to start by talking about Paris Saint-Germain and by talking about Kylian Mbappe. Um, it was 24 hours before the award ceremony that uh, Kylian scored two more goals. It was against Dijon at the Parc des Princes, and uh, I was commentating. Kazawa Cavani! Oh, Mbappe! Well, he's on the score sheet now, Cavani... Should really have put it in himself, but uh, Kylian Mbappe was lurking. And now Mbappe's in the clear. Kylian Mbappe for 4-0. Mbappe over the keeper. It's brilliant. His second of the night is 32nd this season. Well, once he gets away, there is no catching him. Two more goals for Kylian Mbappe. PSG winning 4-0 against Dijon, which is a blow, a big blow for Dijon, who remain second from bottom. PSG course we know they're champions 16 points clear of Lille and PSG celebrated um, the uh, the title because they had the trophy which was awarded to them a fantastic uh, firework display but more fireworks the, the the following evening at the end of season award ceremony it was a very long ceremony and the final award was the best player award Kylian Mbappe won it he managed to pip Nicola Pepe and uh, he came up and he got his award and he surprised everybody um, because he didn't just give the usual speech. Thank you to my teammates. Thank you to my family. He said uh, thank you to Nasser Al-Khalifi. First of all, he said thank you to the PSG president who has uh, always been honest with me from the start. He then said he's at a turning point, the first or second turning point in his career. He said, I feel I need to take on more responsibility whether that is with Paris Saint-Germain, and that would be with pleasure, or elsewhere, we will have to see. He said he might have to start a new project elsewhere. It was a bombshell, wasn't it? David, we were not expecting it. 
What are we supposed to read into this uh, cryptic uh, message from Kylian Mbappe? No, Kylian Mbappe was nicknamed My Little Obama by Benjamin Mendy. And I think he's got a keen sense of diplomacy. And in diplomacy, you've got to have credible threats. And if Mbappe says that he might be examining other projects, of course it's a credible threat because everyone in the world would want Kylian Mbappe in their team. Uh, what I really think he wants is to keep playing centre forward and keep scoring goals and ending up as the golden boot winner. He'd have had a better chance this season if he hadn't got that stupid red card against Rennes in the Coupe de France final. I think that's ended his hopes of overtaking Lionel Messi. But he obviously wants to be in that position where he's got the chance to get all those statistics that have made Messi and Ronaldo the Ballon d'Or contenders over the last decade. And he sees himself in that bracket. I think he is in that bracket. And I do think the team deserves to be built around him. And I would allow Edinson Cavani to leave, even though he's the all-time record goal scorer. But he's 32 and he's not going to get any better. The thing is, Dave, I was um, I was actually commentating the the ceremony in English, which was a difficult task. Uh, you may have caught it on, on one of BN Sports channels. But uh, I found a lot of the, the speeches were, were excellent. Christophe Galtier won the Best Coach Award. And uh, he, he basically you know, talked about absolutely everybody, didn't want to take the credit himself, gave a long speech about his, his wife. We heard from players, coaches, a lot of them talking about Emiliano Sala because, of course, this season has been marked by the, uh, the passing of Emiliano Sala. And Kylian Mbappe came up, and, and I just felt it was completely out of context. It was the wrong place and the wrong time. He didn't mention his teammates. He didn't mention Nicola Pepe, who's had an incredible season and pushed him very, very hard. Look, he wanted to get a message across, but I, I, I want to throw this to you, Armel, because you were there. Um, it was the end of the ceremony and it, it, it kind of fell flat a bit because everyone was thinking, did he just say what I think he just said? What, what was it like when you were actually there? As soon as, he, uh, as soon as that sentence came out of his mouth, everyone was looking at each other thinking, oh, what's he just done? This is going to end. Fair enough. It's front page news this morning on Le Keep. But um, I think... You can understand where Mbappe is coming from. As, as you said, Matt, he wants to be the centre forward. He, he said in his uh, previous speech when he was collecting the um, meilleur espoir, the best young player of Ligue 1, that making history is something he really enjoys and wants to be doing his whole career. So as Dave says, he wants to be in the running for that European Golden Boots every year. So PSG are going to have to change something. He's not going to get that. But he, I mean, is, is he not the centre forward these days? He does play as a centre-forward, but Cavani has been nursing an injury in recent weeks. Yeah, all, and, but they've also played with the two, two of them up top. I, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering what... I'm not sure this is anything... I'm not sure this is directed at Edinson Cavani. I don't think this is... Uh, it's Why does him he never pass to him then? Well, because yeah. there's, a, there's a way of playing, and clearly they pro the other players that play in attack have more affinities with the way Killian plays. But I don't think it's anything... Angel Di Maria often still providing assists for Edinson Cavani. I don't think Killian would go at a teammate like that, but I think he's a very, very ambitious and very impatient young man. Now, this is the, I think there are several things to take about this. There's the way he said it, the way he starts with a big compliment for Nasser El Khalifi, because in the past we've seen if you go against the, the club hierarchy and, and, the, and the Qataris, it can turn against you. The likes of Hatem Ben Arfa. Who, who showed a lack of respect for the, for the Emir. Adrian Rabio, who by all accounts... You can't has, compare. Uh, you 
can't compare confronted. Mbappe and his current world status with with, with Rabiot and, and and Ben Arfa. And looking back at the, the speech, point is I, on I, I human right. rapport with clearly, the, with the president. Robbie, clearly that the, the the thank you to the president is significant. But looking back at it and with what he said at the end, it sounds like it's thank you and goodbye. Can I throw in there as well? Would he have would he have made that speech if uh, Nasser? Al-Khalifi would have been in that room. I think so. I think, I think Killian wanted to get the point across, which is this is not against the club. I have a great respect for the club, but things need to change. It's not against any, any player. He wants responsibility, which means he wants to be the main man. But above all, he's a 20-year-old who has no time to lose. He wants to win the Champions League. He's won the World Cup. He, he's worth millions and millions. But he has three years left on his contract, and history has also shown that Paris Saint-Germain will not let a star player go. Everyone's been talking since the day Neymar signed that he would be leaving the club at the end of this season, at the end of the next season. Neymar will be there next season again, and everyone will, will keep talking about how Neymar's going to leave. Killian will not be leaving the club. Paris Saint-Germain did not pay that kind of money that's a good point, to right? let him go. He is staying. He has three years left. So what is he trying to well, get out of this statement? Then? I just want to say, I don't know if I'm more shocked by the statement from Mbappe or by the acceptance around this table that it's normal for a 20-year-old kid to be standing there in front of the world of, uh, of, uh, of French football showing no one arrogance said it's normal, and, Matt. We're trying a, a lack to understand of, a lack of why he said to his teammates and what he hopes to, to achieve. I'm going to just develop this point and then I'll let you guys talk a little bit because I, I, I feel like <laughs> Thanks, I've been quite Matt. privileged in the last few years. I remember commentating Kylian Mbappe's first games as a professional at Monaco. I remember his first goal as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, sorry. Um, I've I, I've spent time in the uh, in the suburb where he's grown up. I've spoken to people who have got to know him. I, I was in Kazan when he he had that incredible performance for France in the World Cup against against Argentina. I've commentated dozens of games that he's been involved in and many many of his goals. and And I feel lucky. And for me, this guy has been savior for French football because French football's been in in the doldrums in terms of the national team. He's been a breath of fresh air. I have loved him as a player. I've loved him in everything he's said, every interview, the way he's carried him. And I've been thinking and hoping that this guy is going to be the exception and he's not going to get big-headed and he's not going to turn into a, a, a power-crazed maniac a la Cristiano Ronaldo. And now people are telling me, oh, this is great because at the age of 20, um, he is... He is standing up and saying, I'm the man. I need to be running Paris Saint-Germain. Otherwise, I'm going to join Real Madrid. Um, and I feel, I genuinely, this is just how I feel. Okay? I'm not saying it's right and, or wrong, um, but I feel a bit sad and a bit disappointed. And maybe I'm, maybe you're, I'm a romantic. You're surprised that Kylian Mbappe has an ego, Matt. Oh, I, I think, bit, honestly, Matt, I, thought, I think you have misread the situation with Kylian. If that's honestly, if honestly how you see the situation. Kylian since the age of 12, has been headhunted by the biggest clubs in Europe from, from everywhere. He's had professional role models in his, in his stepbrother, uh, Gires uh, Kembo. Kembo Okoko. Yeah. Kembo Okoko. There, there's, this, there's, there's no doubt that he is a product that has been made to play professional football at the highest level. He took winning That's the fine. World Cup in his no stride. Problem. No problem, Robert. No, absolutely. And the fact that he's... Uh, breath of fresh air that he's playing that he that he talks I, d I don't think he's ever said anything that's been wow you know Killian is very guarded he doesn't let anyone inside to know his actual feelings he said recently and I think this was an, a classic example of the the player that he is and the the mentality we we did an interview for for this is Paris with Pedro Pauletta so we had the the former 
great and the current great meeting. And, and Pedro was saying, but playing at the Parc des Princes, what an incredible sensation it is in front of the 45,000 fans all screaming your name. And, and that's something that I'll remember. And Killian said, I don't really care if I'm playing in front of 400 people or 80,000 people. It's all the same to me. Perhaps it's because I grew up in Monaco where there are no fans, but I'm just in my bubble. And he is no football romantic. Absolutely not. Killian is a machine made for being the best footballer in the world. And he probably will be. And he's not far away now at just 20 years of age. That's what he continued to say yesterday. He wants everyone to do their bit to help make him the best player in the world. If anything, this is a declaration of war against Neymar saying, I want Ballon d'Or before you now. You, you came here as the star. Now I am the star. But I think you take it as a given that Killian is not leaving the club. We may, that, that's for sure. We may be picking up on the wrong line, though, because obviously PSG's whole project is about winning the Champions League. And when Kylian Mbappe picked up the Player of the Year trophy, he said, hi again, this is the only trophy I was missing. Does that mean he doesn't want to win the Champions Listen, League? Listen, no, what that means, and, that, you know, and that's another comment that, that, that annoys me, and, and I'm sorry, I, I, I actually agree with everything you're saying, Robbie, um, but I'm allowed to feel a little bit disappointed because, yeah, maybe I'm a romantic and I thought this was going to be, he was going to be the ideal the, the Pele, but also with uh, this incredible um, modesty and behaviour. And but he doesn't have that. And that was the first comment. Yeah. Oh, this is the only trophy I haven't, mm. you know, that, that I hadn't won. And that was ironic. And it was for me making a bit of a mockery of the League 1 Player of the Year award, which is a prestigious award. Um, but what does and, he mean by more responsibility? Throughout the so. evening, Dave, I thought he was making comments that were a bit flippant and a bit big-headed. Yeah, I'm still slightly curious about what he means by more responsibility. We know when... Blackburn Rovers in the mid-90s were desperate to keep Alan Shearer. They offered him the player-manager job at the age of 25. I mean, is that, is that what Killian wants? Does he want, to, at the age of 20, to be taking Thomas Tuchel's role in deciding that he's going to play centre-forward? and Nabar, well, they'd probably still win the league, to be honest. And he'd get rid of Cavani, definitely. But um, I, I'm, I'm interested with what Robbie said about, um, about Neymar, because I mean, if it comes down to this idea that do you need to rebuild the team by selling one of the two big stars? Which one would you keep? I would keep Mbappe. I wouldn't keep Neymar. I think you'd be crazy to keep Neymar. He was out with Rihanna last night. Mbappe was thinking about football again. And where where one of Rihanna's should Neymar big hits stay, night? of course? At, at the Football Awards. He was nominated. Yeah, Neymar could have been there. He could have been there, but it's not the first time he's no, there. We also know that Academy Award winners never go if they know, they're, know I want to talk about, that they're not I, winning the Academy Award. I want to just talk about my... Uh, romantic uh, vision of, of, of football. I was commentating the PSG Dijon game and I thought what was interesting throughout that game and afterwards during the celebrations, the PSG fans barely did, didn't stop all night chanting Edinson Cavani's name. He, you know, Robbie, you talk about the past great and the current great, Pauletta and, and Mbappe. The only thing is you're missing out the, the record scorer in Paris Saint-Germain's history. Zlatan. And the uh, no and Edinson then. Cavani, who 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 for me is the sort of guy you need in a football club, the sort of guy who just runs himself into the ground, who gives everything for the team, who is there, who doesn't go out in, in nightclubs and get himself photographed with Rihanna or Pamela Anderson or whoever, who is totally committed. And the fans recognise that that that's what the fans want. They want players who are going to sweat for their team, who are who are going to live for their team. And, you know, the PSG fans, of course, they love Mbappe. Of course, they love Neymar. But deep down, the true legend today at Paris Saint-Germain is Edinson Cavani. But even then, Matt, he had to make public statements when he 
accepted playing wide and he did all that tracking back and spent lots of games effectively playing as a left back he still wanted to be playing in Zlatan Ibrahimovic's centre forward position and he had to go public and say mm. look if you don't consider me as this player that you spent more than 60 million euros on and who is one of the global stars and you don't start recognising my status and giving me the chance to show exactly what I can do then I might be going elsewhere. And you know what I agree Dave. I agree with a lot of things everything's saying everybody is saying <laughs> this think- morning but okay where was Kylian Mbappe against Manchester United? We, we got, I'll tell you where he was. He was missing chances. Falling I, over. I was having my breakfast, having my cereal this morning, trying to, trying to wake up. And I was thinking about it all. And I was thinking, you know what? If I was Nasser El Khalifi, I'd be tempted to take 250 million for Kylian Mbappe to build my attack around Edinson Cavani and to buy a midfield with that Edinson 250 million. I think they'd have a better chance. I think Robbie, they'd have half the season I through think injury. I think they'd have a better chance of winning against the Champions a twenty-year-old. You do it. Look at Liverpool, Robbie. Look at Liverpool. Where was Cavani in those big games? Remember, you, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All those Edinson Cavani has always Chelsea. missed chances as well. Matt, we I think talk, you're talking no about personality here. I'm, I'm the you're host. Not talking, Let me talk. Edinson Cavani <laughs> is a great guy who has a fantastic work ethic. He doesn't want to go out. He doesn't want to go out to nightclubs. He likes nature. It's part of his upbringing and where he's from. But don't confuse personality. And things players like doing when they're not at training and off the football pitch. I just think you win the Champions League. As a rule, Robbie, as a rule, you win the Champions League through a team, through a collective. And if you look at Liverpool... But this is a different point again, man. Look at Liverpool, who are probably going to win the Champions League this season. Probably, possibly, maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's it's all about the collective. And Paris Saint-Germain, until they come back to that, I don't think they'll win the Champions League. You can't blame Kylian Mbappe for the lack of balance oh, in the midfield Cavani. or for the signing oh. of Leandro Paredes. Not until he is made player, manager, sporting director. I think there are several, several points. Just Dave's question about Kylian, what does he mean by having more responsibility? I asked Kylian this question on Wednesday. We had interviews. We did 15 interviews with PSG players for the end of season uh, television show. You want to lock the dressing room wait, at the end of the evening. Which you have to, to wait to see. But Kylian, I asked Kylian... Did he expect to have so much responsibility this season? And he said, of course, I was ready for it. This is what I want. And I always want more responsibility. And the the question of responsibility is when you have Di Maria injured, Neymar injured, Cavani injured, Draxler injured, you have nobody else up front. Killian is the sole source for goals and he scores in seven league matches in a row. Seems logical if you've got six injured players, though. Yes, but he stood up. He took the responsibility and exactly. he showed that he can shoulder the responsibility. So, so now he comes out and says, I want season. it now to be acknowledged. So even if I they are playing, build, I want to be the one scoring goals. Is that the... I want to be the, 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 the one that we build this attack around. There, there, there's been some suggestion from journalists uh, this morning, Dave, that that extra responsibility is actually having input, having a, having a say into the recruitment, into the players coming in. Mm. Do you think that's what he wants? Potentially. He could be saying this is... You've got to build around my style, and why wouldn't you? I mean, if, yeah, you're the, I if I'm the sporting director or coach, then I I would be trying to get the best players around Kylian Mbappe to make him score even more goals. Yes, but that's not for Kylian to decide. No, surely. of course it's not, and you shouldn't have that in a football club. There does have no, to be exactly. a, a lines of management last, which are getting last some voices of reason, which are getting <laughs> blurred, and they have got ever more blurred over the last twenty years, as you've been saying, Matt. But in terms of the timing of this announcement, when else is he meant to say it? As long as he said it privately yeah. to Thomas Tuchel to Antero Enrique, to Nasser Al-Khalifi and some of his teammates, then I've got no problem with him going public. It's just part of a, a communication strategy. And unfortunately, that's the... Well, you don't think he's got other opportunities to, to say something to the press? 
No, but he wants everyone to When's know. When's the best time to, to do put, it? Well, the mix phone last ex- night, or you, or you, a little bit of pressure as well, or you so get you get one of your lawyers to send a few sentences to your Lekeep journal. I mean, this was a, a live, wasn't the right a live TV broadcast where you're not talking about a specific game. When you're, you know, post-match interviews and such, you usually want to be talking about the game you've just played in. This was being broadcast live. So he knew that this would have some sort of exactly. impact. Obviously, he should have done a 52-minute documentary produced by Gerard Piquet's company, like Antoine Griezmann. Maybe they could talk about communication strategies next time they're with Le Bleu. No, 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 football has gone crazy. I don't think what Mbappe did last night was crazy. It was surprising, but not crazy. But he was in control of the situation. That, that is, again, everything about... Killian wants to control the environment in which he plays, in which he communicates and everything. And he is the one in control there. And afterwards, all the journalists in the mix zone, that, that room you were in watching the, with the state, bah. must have just emptied as soon as <laughs> Killian... Bah. Must have emptied when Killian walked out because everyone ran to the mix zone, all interviewing him, and everyone trying to get more out of him, saying, what was that? Was that a threat? Was it? And Killian just said, I said my piece. I'm not going to say any more because I don't want it to, set, to mean anything more than what I said. What I said on the stage is what I meant. Basta. Finish there. Well, it's not the Mbappe pod. We are, we are going to move on, but it is a, a huge issue, a huge uh, talking point, and we will talk about it in the, in the coming weeks as well. There were some, com- some comedians at the uh, ceremony last night. Um, Amel. They weren't very I good. Was part oh, of them, yeah. no, I was going to say the, the funniest, <laughs> the funniest by far was Adil Rami. Oh yeah, the, the Marseille defender who was there to, to give an award, and uh, he's he's a he's a funny boy, isn't he? He really is. Yeah. He he compared himself with Ronaldo, the the, the Brazilian who was in his position last last year at the uh, at the ceremony, and he said uh, we've got a lot in common. We've worn the same shirt of AC Milan. We're both world champions, and we have one difference as well. And that's regarding speed. But personally, I, I, I always preferred the slow motion of Pamela Anderson, which it, it was just, it was just quite funny. Adil, and Pamela... Adil, Adil Rami is living the dream, isn't he? I mean, he is absolutely living the dream. And there is your breath, breath of fresh air, Matt. Forget Kylian Mbappe. Adil Rami, from the time he burst onto the scene yeah. at Lille and, and was, was giving post-match interviews well, where he good. was... Yeah, he, he, has take, always he doesn't been. take himself too seriously, but ultimately he is... The very highly paid world champion Marseille defender who's, who's sitting, going at out with with, Anderson. sitting at a table. Yeah, with well, I think Anderson. Marseille fans will be happier if he'd had a season this season like last season rather than making jokes. And he's, he's endlessly entertaining, but often for opposing forwards at the moment. He even joked about his current form. He said, because yeah. he was giving the award for the best referee. And so he said, well, he slipped up in his speech and said, well, you know, red card, off you go, penalty. He said, oh, penalty. Eh? I've played three times in 2019, given away two penalties. And Look around. It's not going back to Marseille tonight now. Yeah. But he he doesn't come. He didn't. He never came through that that formatted youth yeah. academy, French youth academy system. He was a gardener for the for the town hall he in Fréjus before he became a professional footballer, playing in the fifth division, mowing mowing roundabouts. For, you know what? When you go when you go the to the team. south of France, I I always look at the they're, they're always immaculate, aren't they? Like they. <laughs> well, they've got they have, the like, first eleven is out there looking after everything. He's kept Flowers the kit for his moustache. If you can yeah, employ exactly. people, you know, as competent as Adil Rami, it shows why, why the French communities are so, are so, are so spotless. Well, Adil Rami has certainly made a few boobs this season. Um, we're going to move on, though. We're going to move on to Lyon. Lyon played against Caen. Dave, what's funny? Nothing's funny, man. Lyon versus Caen. That was a big game on Saturday night. Big for Lyon, who needed uh, to win to make sure of third spot in Champions League qualification. Big for Caen, who went into the... Uh, 
went into the weekend in 18th position and also needed points. Robbie Thompson saw this one for us. Oh, a lovely touch for Terrier, who accelerates. Terrier shoots off the post and the follow-up and Corne scores. Dembele does well that time. Plays it for Corne. Maxwell Corne, the cross! And Memphis Depay opens the scoring for Olympic Lyonnais. Terrier nicely done with Awa outside. Dembele! Lovely finish. And this one is done and dusted now. Well, what a weekend for Lyon. The women's team sensationally winning the Champions League on uh, Saturday, beating Barcelona 4-1 in uh, Budapest. It's their fourth consecutive Champions League trophy for the uh, for the women. Their sixth in eight years. Ada Hegerberg scored three. They were 4-0 up at halftime. What a team. And the men's team. 4-0 up inside half an hour, Matt. They absolutely demolished them. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're a remarkable club side. And if you get a chance to read Rory Smith's piece in, in the New York Times, he, he wrote a great feature about Leon's women's team and about how it's perhaps the most dominant team in, in, in all sport. Um, great article. The men's team were also dominant. They won 4-0. Robbie was, uh, was commentating it. And Robbie, um, it, it took them a bit longer than it took the women. It was 0-0 at halftime, but Leon got the job done. They did, and this is the Leon. If we cast our minds back uh, to to an earlier pod where I suspected that Leon would finish over the top of Lille and claim second place, this is the Leon in the business end of the season that I was expecting. This, I think, is the 18th top three finish in the last 20 years. It's been uh, in, they are they are an incredibly consistent side who are always here at the business end of the season. Their victory over Marseille last week. Well, everyone's beating Marseille now just about, but it was, a, it was a dominant performance there as well. This was a, a first-half performance in which, let's not forget that Caen were fighting, are fighting still for their Ligue 1 survival. So this was not a pushover, end-of-season dead rubber. This was a big match for 45 minutes. Caen mixed it with them, tried to hang in there as long as possible. And then those individualities, the ones that the individual performances that we know that this Lyon side has, and when you hear other teams in France talk about the top three sides, Leon are there because of their individual players, the likes of Memphis Depay, who, who again, didn't have the greatest game, but he was in the right place at the right time twice to score two important goals to top and tail it. Maxwell Corne was excellent. Again, Moussa Dembele has brought up 15 goals in the season and they're in the Champions League. And, and spare a thought for Bruno Genesio here because he was almost in tears at the end of the match, literally, just overwhelmed mm. by his the emotion of it. His last because home game as coach. He's been so criticised. It was his last home match. And, he's, and this isn't just his first team career. He's a club man going back years and years. In the, in the youth academy, Stade Gerland, he's, he, he is a part oh, of Olympic Lyonnais. And a player. Well. And, he said, and, a player. Yeah. and this was a very bittersweet moment for him, I think. But he was very proud, clearly, and very happy to have qualified for the Champions League. And, feels, and I and think he feels, he's leaving with a heavy heart. And he feels hard done by his last Absolutely. comment in his interview to be in sports was, I love this football club a lot more than some of our fans, which was, uh, which was an interesting uh, uh, line. Um, you, you, you can email us, by the way. We have an email address, uh, leagueunpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to ask us questions about Kylian Mbappe, if you want to point out some of the franglais that, that, that Robbie uses, like individuality, which he just about <laughs> corrected there. That, please get involved. It's, it's great to have interaction from our listeners. Um, Dave, there's a, a revolution starting at, 
at Leon Genesio is on his way out. And for the first time since Olas has been president in 1987, we have a foreign coach coming in. We've got the club legend, Janinho, the, 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 Brazil, the former midfielder, a Brazilian who uh, is probably he never played for Middlesbrough. the best free kick taker of all no. time. Some people in the UK think, oh, Janinho, the, the Middlesbrough guy. No, no, no. This is it a different Janinho. Well. Yeah, but this is Janinho Pernambucano, who uh, is also a sensationally good footballer, a very different footballer and a Leon legend. He's coming in as sporting director and he has named Silvino, former uh, Arsenal, Manchester City and Barcelona player, as the, the head coach. It's a very interesting choice, Dave. And it is risky. And Jean-Michel Olas admitted this on Saturday night. And the reason why I think it's especially risky is if uh, your club, Matt, if Arsenal beat Chelsea in the Europa League final and Leon don't have their group stage place guaranteed, Juninho and Silvino then would have their first task to come through the two qualifying rounds to make the group stage. And I can already see the Lequipe headlines about crisis if they go out in one of those two rounds about how this was the worst decision ever and why didn't Olas appoint someone who had experience of, if not coaching in France, or at least in a European top league. That said, the Lyon fans will be excited about having Juninho back. They remember his free kicks so with such fondness. Unfortunately, he can't come off the bench for a special teams and take the free kicks because they'll need someone with Bakir going. They remember the player he was, but they remember the man he was as well. And I think that's what people will be looking towards because he was such a, an incredibly competitive, generous team man. And it was all about, it was all about the collective with him. He's the, he, was, the anti, he was also a key part of that side Mbappe. that won all those titles in a row. That's, that, so it's a successful man and it brings back glory years as well to Leon. They need all that. His previous teammates, the likes of, uh, here's my pronunciation, Jim Schilstrom, Jim Kelstrom to everyone else, <laughs> uh, said that you know, he wasn't just their captain. He was, he was a leader, someone would help them both in terms of his technical ability, but also a real uh, leader of men, someone that wasn't necessarily the one to take them by the scruff of the neck and, sh- and shake them, but a Jean-Louis Gasset-like character who could nurture the, his teammates and help them with their problems to get the best out of them on the pitch. And if he's not doing the tactical side of things, which we get the impression is the case, Silvino is going to be in charge of team picking, etc. Then they've got themselves a very good appointment in Janinho. And it's very sexy, isn't it? Two, I think so. two I Brazilians, think, Inio. I think it's exciting. And, and Brazilians have been so much uh, a part of, of Leon's success in, in, in the noughties. Silvino has never been a head coach, but he's not a youngster, he's 45 now. He's had great experience as a player, both in club and in international football. He's gained experience, Robbie, as an assistant. He's been uh, the assistant to the Brazilian national team. He's been Roberto Mancini's assistant at Inter. He had experience at, at Manchester City as well. So this is somebody, A, who has experience, and uh, B, who Janinho knows extremely well. And Janinho you know, isn't going to take a, a crazy risk, is he? Well, no, and it's Janinho that's really done everything he can to bring Silvino on board. And I think, because I don't think without Janinho, Silvino wasn't coming. That Whether even if Jean-Michel Olas thought he was a great coach, he wouldn't have taken that risk. In some respects, Janinho is the man that makes this, from a PR point of view as well, a, a, a doable thing for Olympic Lyonnais. Just to go back to what Armel was saying about Janinho and the role he plays and everything. I remember a Champions League match. It must have been in the, in the mid-noughties where a young player was making his Champions League debut by the name of Jeremy Berto, a, a fullback. Left back, yep. 
Also and expecting him to get mentioned. France, France under-21s, <laughs> I remember him. Yeah. And he made he made a huge mistake. I think he gave, gave away a penalty or scored an own goal, and I can't remember the exact match, but I do remember Janinho scoring the equaliser and running in the, in the last minute, it may have been against Bayern Munich or something, and running to the bench and giving this kid in tears on the bench after he was substituted with 10 minutes to go and giving him a big hug and just tapping him on the face and saying, it, it's all right, it's all right. And that... That is the type of leadership. That's not the shake all, you, shake baby, shake you to to get you to react. Can we all can we all contribute a Janino memory? Because okay, well that's my Janino memory. My Janino memory is uh, <laughs> his. Uh, he scored more than forty free kicks for Leon. But my memory is the free kick he scored in the Olympia Stadion in Munich against Bayern Munich mm-hmm. um, in in the Champions League, which not only uh, got a goal for Leon, but it injured Oliver Kahn because <laughs> Oliver Kahn he was. I mean, I, don't, I didn't want that to happen, but it was, it was just pretty amazing because he just got completely bamboozled by the trajectory of the ball, mm. which was swerving and, and dipping. And Khan not only didn't get to the ball, he ended up clattering into the post and he was down for about 10 minutes. That's my memory. My memory, Matt, would be uh, us, us journalists have to go into the mix zone, which is a, a real minefield after matches. Absolutely. And so you're delighted if you've got a player who will give you the time of day and stop. And Juninho would always do that frequently with a smile. And... I think in terms of his new position, it's Olas at the age of 70 needed someone he could trust in this new setup, which is completely new in his way of thinking. I'd said on previous podcasts, I didn't think he'd appoint a manager like Jose Mourinho, not only because it cost too much, because he'd want all the say. I think Olas feels that he can have this relationship with Juninho and take a bit more of a backseat than he has been while still having overall control because he trusts Juninho. I'll, I'll add to that before giving my Juninho memory oh, as well because nice. I know you're all waiting for that. You're too but, young. I'm waiting for you to say well, you, you remember when he signed for Middlesbrough. I'm, I suspect I know what Armel's Juninho moment is or something. Or Pressure or something, is intense so. here. But anyway, there's um, Ed Mielsen, former Lyon Brazilian, was speaking to a colleague of ours recently. You'll be able to see that interview very soon. But uh, he was saying to, to our colleague that uh, the young players at Lyon at the moment don't appear to respect the OL shirt the way that the young players did during Janino's time at the club. And I'm sure that if Ed Mielsen's thinking that, Janino might be thinking on those lines as well. They're, they're friends, they'll be in touch. So that's probably not some, a concept that's totally alien to Janino. And if he can bring that pride back to one of the world's greatest youth academies once they graduate onto the professional setup, then Lyon can win league titles. Memory, 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 okay, memory. sorry, memory. My memory would be uh, the first game of the 2002-2003 season. Garangon. How old were you? Against Leon. there, goodness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good memory, eh? Um, yeah, Janino scored uh, Leon's goal of the season with their very first goal of the season. A beautiful strike from about 30 yards at the which will miss Indiga greatly next season. My, my, my other memory, just very quickly, free kick. For, I think he hit it or the ball was level with the centre circle against Ajaxio. And it would have been, yeah. who was the, the goalkeeper? Penatoni or Penato? Panatoni. That's a bread. Yeah. Panatoni. <laughs> <laughs> did, did anyone see Andrea Pirlo's Janino? Uh, Tribute, yeah. Yes. Tribute, yeah. yeah he was About on the, the toilet when he, exactly. when he worked out Janino's technique. His I was, uh, we, we're going to move on from Janino, but I was in line at the Stade Gelon. I was in line with his free kick against Barcelona from the, from the touchline where, you know, everybody assumed he was going to cross and he most definitely shot and it was just sensational. Andrea Pirlo had a better seat for that. Awesome. <laughs> good call, good call. 
Um, we're going to move on. So Leon are certain to finish third. Lille are now certain to finish second. Angus Tarod, who's uh, making uh, great strides in his league and commentary career, he was uh, at uh, the Lille-Angers game. Here comes Pepe. Pepe is going to get himself some room and goes for goal and scores! 21 goals now for Lille's deadly hitman. Bamba's picked it up, he's thinking about the shot, feeds it into low Remy. Remy can't get round Pavlovic on the overlap now. Celic, great ball in, Bamba! 3-0! 5-0 to Lille and uh, some sensational goals, including uh, a couple for, for Pepe, who's now got 22. The first man to, to get that many goals for Lille since Moussa So in 2010-2011 uh, when they won the league. Christophe Galtier won the prize uh, for the best coach this season. I'm guessing around this table we would, uh, we would go along with that. What a job Galtier has done. Absolutely. Anybody, anybody want to disagree? No, <laughs> Thomas Tuchel no, looked pretty uh, straight-faced. No, I yeah. think more, more than... Because I was never a huge fan of Christophe Galtier. I thought his first seasons at Saint-Étienne, but then I thought things got really stale. I thought they were quite defensive. But something I always thought he had was, was his ability to get all the players to like him. And that's important when you need players to go and fight for you. This season, what he's achieved at Lille has completely redefined that because I don't think it's only about man management, what he's done at Lille. He took a side that, that was down in the dumps, that only just, and we've talked about it week in, week out, the amazing turnaround from last season. But this season, he's shown real tactical nous as well. They're, they don't concede many goals. They play counter-attacking football. He plays to the strength of this squad. And it's been a remarkable season. Yes, he deserves it, obviously, I 10 th- times yeah, over. I think that's something that he already showed at Saint-Étienne, that... I used to describe the Obama Young Brandal team as the neutrals' favourites, but then they were dour towards the end, but still mm. getting results by and large. And I think he adapts to the squad that he's got available to him. And I think he's a real football man, just like uh, Jean Louis Gasset at Saint Etienne. He he made sorry, Armand. He made a great speech last night. Thanked an awful lot of people. Talked a lot about his wife. But I thought what what I thought was interesting was he gave a special mention to Luis Campos, the sporting director, and I think he's got a close relationship with him. And just watch in the coming weeks what, what Lille do. Nicola Pepe is leaving. That's almost certain. They're going to get a lot of money. But watch who they bring in because they will have been planning for, for months. We talk about PSG. Um, there are other clubs who seem to be a little bit more haphazard when it comes to their recruitment planning. And I, I reckon Lille will be as strong at least next season. Well, how old is Nicola Pepe? I'm not going to... 24, to, I 24, think. 25? I'm going to say 23. Not 25. 23 or 24. Okay, he's 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 one that you could please check someone because this is crucial. <laughs> this is, a this is event, crucial. This is my week, my weakness. Game. Nicola <laughs> Pepe, twenty three. His name twenty four next week. Twenty four next week. Okay. His surname he's... means granddad in Franglais. <laughs> Pepe. Pepe. Yeah. Okay. Well, Carry on. I think Pepe, as as Matt just said, is going to go because the rest of the squad, though, not not entirely. There are some very young players there. And the key for Lille is to let someone go, like Pepe, is almost good for the other players to say, if we keep playing well, we're going to get that move. They're not going to hold us here. They're not going to make life difficult for us. Pepe has had a great season, top scorer, top assists. Off he goes for, for hundreds of millions. The likes of Iconi, Rafael Leao, Jonathan Bomba, all these guys, even Mike Menon at the back, Yusuf Kone, left back, all these guys, Selic. They can all 
feel Thiago Mendes. Look, they're all. Come on, they're we're almost quality. at eleven. I have said no. I've said all the younger players, not the not the oldest ones. They are ones that can all hope if they keep playing well to move on, and that's important. The thing is to convince them that they don't all need to leave now. Bizarre, bizarrely, the weekend game against Angers, first time that Ikone, Pepe, and Bamba had scored all in the same game this season. That's because Ikone never scores. But um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to hold my hand up and say that I've, I've been a bit unfair on Ikone. He has been fantastic in recent weeks, and uh, I do think that uh, that Loic Remy goal that was voted goal of the season deserved mm. to be because that, that was beautiful. I don't uh, with the Ikone chip. Well, it's mainly because it happened just Piero? a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember Bobby any Shaw. further. <laughs> back. Yeah, Bobby but Shaw. That's for another day. Yeah, we'll do an awards special I later. There was some, it was a nice guy. I thought there were some better ones. Do um do rate us by the way on uh, on the different platforms: Spotify, Deezer, iTunes, um, and do email us uh, League One Podcast at gmail.com. So we talked about the top three. We now know that Saint Etienne are fourth. They are going to remain fourth. They are going to be in the Europa League next season. They beat Nice three 0 Andy Scott saw this one for us. Almost cross a superb ball in. And once again, exactly the kind of service that Robert Berich is looking for. Berich tucks it away. And Saint-Étienne lead 2-0. Can he make it three? A superb low strike from Roman Hamouma. And that really does wrap it up. Europe, here they come. Been a good season for Saint-Étienne and yet Jean-Louis Gasset uh, could well be leaving. He is not seeing eye to eye with uh, the board, uh, the coach who's done such a, a tremendous job and is so close to the players. Jan M. Villa, the midfielder, came out afterwards and said, listen, if Jean-Louis, Jean-Louis Gasset leaves, I'm leaving as well. It's, uh, it's a big decision, isn't it? It's, uh, the, 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 the club have got somehow to convince Jean-Louis Gasset to stay. I don't think the club will put any pressure on Jean-Louis Gasset. He lost his wife, uh, in the last year, and uh, that has had a huge blow on him, a huge effect on his morale. He he really just wants to head back to Montpellier and and, and be around his family now. He's 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 lived as much as he ever hoped to live as well as an assistant coach at Paris Saint Germain. He always thanked Laurent Blanc for for giving him the opportunity to coach players like Zatan and Thiago Silva and be at that level. Now he's had the opportunity as head coach by himself at Montpellier and Saint Etienne. I think Jean Louis is ready, just wants to, to go home and relax. Now, we're going to move on the, to the coup de girl section now. For, for any new listeners, the coup de girl is the, is the rant. And usually, I, I'm, I'm keen to do this one myself, but uh, David is, uh, is a good ranter. He's been in Paris for a long time, and, um, and, and he does enjoy a good rant. And before we do that, Robbie, yes? Just, we, we received an email saying that our coup de girl needed to be a little bit more... Uh, Less, less uh, polite, less Anglo uh, respectful. Yeah, that's and really, right. let's Baptiste. give it some Latin passion and perhaps some Latin language, Dave. So I've got, <laughs> Thank I've you. I've got our technical... I'll try to be less mild-mannered than technical usual. Technical director time. is... Uh, the email came in, yes, from Baptiste Mezier. And I do hope I have uh, pronounced your name properly, Baptiste. He's uh, a French football enthusiast living in Germany and uh, enjoying, enjoying our podcast. So we'll see. Is Dave going to be a little bit less polite? Oh merde, quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. It's inspired by the game I commentated on Saturday, team. Uh, it was a seven goal thriller at Le Stadium, and those are not words I think I've ever uttered. Yeah, wow. Why has this happened in week 37 of the season? Why don't Toulouse play like that every week? Their average attendance is 16 and a bit thousand. Okay, they lost 5 2, but. 
They had chances. They could have won that game. They could at least have got a draw. They've only won four home games all season. If Alan Casanova allowed his players to play like that a bit more often, they'd get bigger attendances. I think they'd get yeah, better they lost, results. They lost 5-2. Then. Four more people would want to watch. I'd say that even the t- because they're safe from relegation so that they can afford to think mm, like this. Yeah. But people who went on Saturday will want to come back again. There was so much space there. It was a classic end-of-season game. That's the sort of thing that inspires people to get involved watching football. We all remember this growing up. You need to feel that excitement. And I'm sorry, I can respect tactical coaches setting up their defence very deep with nice defensive midfield structure in front of them and making sure there's no space to get through. But I want to see excitement. I want to see two teams trying to attack and I want to see goals. You're going against the very the very principles of French league football, Dave. Yeah, but which Dave, is... Dave's a Newcastle fan. He wants Kevin Keegan at Amiens. I, I think that was pretty mild mannered. Next time, think more about Jonathan Kone. <laughs> so what you're saying, Dave, you're fed up of sitting in your commentary booth commentating nil-nils. I don't want you... on a bien en place. <laughs> on a bien en place. There actually haven't been many nil-nils this season, but we are averaging about two and a half goals a game. I think league and coaches could open up a little bit more and it wouldn't affect their results and it would make them more popular with their fans and with TV viewers and all of us who love French football so much. One side that was bien en place on Saturday night were, were Monaco and uh, the relegation dogfight is going to the wire, but Monaco are almost safe now. That was a huge victory for Leonardo Jardim's team. They beat Amiens 2-0 at home. Radamel Falcao with a header and then Alexander Golovin with the second at the end. There was an explosion of joy. All seven fans uh, running onto the pitch. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's a bit harsh. There was a, a bigger crowd. It, it was quite busy. It, it was, was quite, quite busy, busy at the Stade Louis de, Um Huge 20,000 people live in Monaco, let's not forget. And they get a, nearly 50% of the entire population are at the Stade Louis Deux every, every... It's about the price of a square metre as well, 20,000. So guys, Monaco are um, three points above the bottom three now. Just to give you the lowdown, Gangot are down uh, 27 points. Dijon are in 19th position. They have 31 points. The bottom two go down automatically. 18th position goes into a playoff against the Ligue 2 side. That's currently Caen. They're on 33 points, two points above Dijon. Dijon are playing at home to Toulouse in their last game. They need to win that. Caen are playing at home to Bordeaux. Obviously, they need to try and win that as well. Um, if Caen win, Amiens could be sucked into 18th. Amiens are just two points above, uh, above Caen. Monaco can only go down if Amiens win and if Caen win. And Caen would need to win by um, four or five goals and Monaco would need to lose by two or three. So... It's looking pretty much good now for Monaco. Who do you think will go down second, bottom, Armel? Do you, do you, do you think Dijon can beat Toulouse oh, and I save think, themselves? I think Antoine Combarare is doing a, a great job of bringing two clubs down in this season. I think Dijon are done for. I think it's pretty much a given that Gaon are going to win because Bordeaux are shocking. They're about to <laughs> lose their seventh consecutive game next week. This season just can't end quickly enough in the southwest of France, really. Apart from Toulouse, of course, who build their stadium to say goodbye to Kozak last weekend. And Toulouse are involved in this as well. They take on Dijon this well, weekend. They're out of it, aren't they? They're two points above Monaco. Yeah, yeah, no. But yeah, I mean, Toulouse can't go down. But yeah, I, I, I'm with Armel on this. Bordeaux, <laughs> no way they're going to get a result. So, Come on, they're abysmal. I, I think Amiens uh, should be seriously worried. We saw last week Christophe Pellissier seems to be eternally in a good mood, despite the fact his team are you know, really struggling for, for form right now. Eric Peters should be playing in every single position for their team. He's just about the only player who looks up for it. And he's not as good as Radamel Falcao, who up until last weekend was the only player really up for it for Monaco. Golovin joined him 
with a goal and an assist last weekend, and, and his goal worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Lightning quick. Where has that pace been all season? Mm. Anyway, I think Monaco will be safe thanks to a two or three of their big names, and I think Amiens will get sucked into a relegation playoff, and Caen will unbelievably for the third season running save their skins on the final day. Well, there is some drama reserved for this uh, for this final day. There is one game in particular that could be uh, that could be interesting. We're going to finish with our Bon Voyage segment and perhaps coincide that with a look ahead to, to, to next weekend's matches. So let's uh, let's get on our TGV and uh, start dreaming. Well, I tell you what, I would like to go down to the Côte d'Azur for obvious reasons. Um, sun, sand, sea and uh, a derby. A derby between Nice and Monaco. Patrick Vieira's uh, charges, they've had a good season despite their defeat at, uh, at Saint-Étienne. Uh, they're in the top half and they've got a chance to not hammer a nail into Monaco's coffin because unless they win by five or six, uh, Monaco are, are going to stay up. But it, it's still a an opportunity for Nice to assert their regional authority over Monaco. And, uh, you know, I think Patrick Vieira and his charges will get a good crowd and, uh, and a good send-off. And uh, I'll probably have a nice, uh, nice pizza on the beach afterwards. I'll, I'll accompany you halfway. I'll change somewhere around Lyon and get a train to Nîmes. I think the Stade de Costière could be fun this weekend for Nîmes against Lyon. Two good teams. We haven't said much about Nîmes in the podcast, but they're seventh. They haven't been in Ligue 1 for 25 years. It's going to be a party there this and weekend. Had two of the contenders for goal of the season last like, night. Bobby as well. Sean could have done five of his own in that competition, but that's another story. But Neem, just as sunny as the Cup does, get yourself yeah, there. Yeah, I'll probably want. fly, Armel, because the train to, to Nice is, is really slow. So you'll probably true. get once the train, pass, get the train yeah, on your own, pass, get, get get those headphones on and keep. I, I must have misheard you saying take the TGV. Well, we were, I, I was, but then I realised because new sponsorship deal. Oh, okay, yeah. There has been a lot of talk about them making a high-speed uh, track to, to Nice. Maybe we can talk about that a bit more next week, but I think we've run out of time this week. So, so unless you guys have something very important to add, anybody, anybody, no, thank you. Okay, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. We hope to have an email or two uh, from you to, to look forward to, league1podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back um, next week with... Uh, the, uh, the look back on the final uh, week, the final match day of the season. And then we'll have a special awards uh, edition the following week. Le Bourgeois isn't going away anytime soon. Thank you, David Crossan, Robbie Thompson. Thank you. I'm Tangi from uh, the Matt Spiro. Cheers. All of the team here in Boulogne, Biancourt, just outside Paris. It's time to say au revoir. Et bientôt. Surely won it in the 89th 